guys, welcome to Killstreak. This is episode eight, and I am Eric Goslin, and with me, as always, Mike Price. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing real good, man. I'm oh. especially doing good because today we're doing our second entry in the Blair Witch series. We're going to be talking Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Oh, yeah. I love a movie with not only with a subtitle, but you take the actual movie and you put it after the, after. After the colon. Yeah. A rare after the colon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is a post-colon uh, title, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's a book of shadows, colon, Blair Witch 2. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? It really does. Do you think, Mike, that this is the first goth rights movie ever made? (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that because I know the answer is no. Because the director of this film uh, came from making a series of goth rights documentaries. That's right. That's right. The uh, uh, Paradise Lost. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, not to jump the gun on talking behind-the-scenes stuff, but the director, Joe Berlinger, uh, is largely a documentary dude, and he came from mm-hmm. the Paradise Lost series, right? Which you schooled me last week is is uh, a series of three movies spread out over the years about the West Memphis Three. Yeah. Have you ever seen those before? I have not seen them. Have you? Mm, they're great, yeah. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the first one and the third one I, me- I remember liking a lot. Um, but yeah, it's about three boys in uh, Memphis or someplace outside of Memphis that were accused of killing three young children. Yeah, I believe they're from West Memphis. West Memphis, you're right. The West <laughs> Memphis Three. <laughs> well, I mean, that, I, you have to watch the movie to find uh, out why they call them the West Memphis Three. But Okay, got it. You know, All it's right. not as, as obvious as you might think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is because uh, the town just thought they were weird because they listened to Metallica and wore black. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, you're right. It, not the first goth, first goth rights movie, but definitely <laughs> probably one of the most prominent goth rights movies yeah. of the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, and I really I think we can we can say confidently that Joe Berlinger represents the tip of the spear when it comes to goth rights. Yeah. If you're gonna think about goth rights, you gotta ha- think about Joe Berlinger as number one uh, figurehead. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say something that is very funny. Since he has real world experience with goths, it is amusing <laughs> to me how much he botches the portrayal of a goth character in this movie. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> um, Are you talking about Kim? I am talking about Kim. Uh, mm. Yeah, Kim, played by Kim Director, uh, which is a fun last name. Um, that is a, It's a confusing last name as an actress or an actor. <laughs> We're not saying actress anymore. Yeah. She's, she's uh, always on set. She's always trying to sit in the director's chair. <laughs> it's really awkward. Yeah. Like, no, Kim. Yours says Kim on it. <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot. That's her. <laughs> I wonder if she's done any directing. Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, uh, she that's has, a waste. Yeah, she showed up in a couple Spike Lee movies. He's a famous director. 
<laughs> he is a famous director, yeah. Are there yeah. any other famous directors you know, Mike? Um, Martin Scorsese. Sure, one of the best. Steven Spielberg. Uh-huh. That's Can't about, go wrong. That's about it. That's, that's about it. That's, that's all you need to know, honestly. Uh, oh, wait. Eric Goslin. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, um, you know, thank you. But, I'm, uh, so, <laughs> I'm so uh, taken aback by this <laughs> shout-out that I, I, I'm a flustered yeah why don't you uh lisp through another word and <laughs> we can debate whether or not we have to stop down <laughs> so far we're just we're just plowing through everybody it's great yeah um okay so anyways let's talk about book of shadows blair witch 2 um, so this is your first time watching it. this right? is my first time watching it. this is my first time experiencing anything from this series so i want to hear from you first before mm-hmm. I share any inside info that I've gleaned, uh, you saw this movie in the theater or after it came out? I saw it in the theaters. Um, and it was funny because I was a huge uh, Blair Witch fan, the original, um, as I talked about last episode. And then I was just at the movies one day and I saw a poster for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. And I had ne- I had had not heard about that movie coming out at all. Mm. I was just like, what the fuck? And um, also, like, it was coming out, like, next week or something. Right. <laughs> like, how did I not hear about this? This came hot on the heels of uh, of the original film. Yeah, like a year later, right? Yeah, so this is... This one comes out in uh, October. It's a Halloween mm-hmm. release, late October yep. of 2000. And I, I believe the first one was 99. Yeah, so... yeah. Uh, I do remember that. I was I saw that at the Wells Movie Theater in Wells, Maine, the Five Point Cinema. Yeah, is that still there? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look. Right. Well, right now it's closed. I can I can probably yeah, no safely assume that. Um, so tell me about your theater going experience. How was your initial viewing of Book of Shadows: colon, Blair Witch Two? Oh boy, I straight up hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, enjoyed about none of it, and then walked out. And was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I don't. I think I may even have seen it alone. Okay. Or I, maybe I saw it with my girlfriend at the time. I I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, I was pretty bummed out by it. And uh, at that point, I had already seen Paradise Lost, so I knew the director. And you knew that um, when you were going to watch the movie, that it was the same director. Uh, I think I looked it up after I saw that there was a po- like the poster, and I didn't even know the movie was coming out. Uh, I looked up who directed it and made that connection. So I was excited because, yeah, you know, coming from Blair Witch One, who better to make a found footage movie or a fake documentary than a acclaimed documentary filmmaker? Sure. No, I mean, and, it, at first glance, or it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, but then. You see the movie, <laughs> it's like this. This isn't even a docu- fake documentary. I mean, there are aspects of it that are right, but for the most part, it's just a straight up horror movie. Yeah. Um, and so coming back to it this time, I think I mentioned last episode that I thought maybe this would be a Necropolis, Return of the Living Dead Necropolis situation. Mm-hmm. Where I'd be like, oh, you know what? I think I can get into this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I did not enjoy watching it the second time any better. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I will say that you definitely watch this movie, and the thing that immediately goes through my head is like, yeah, this guy had never directed a feature film, like a 
I mean, how do we, what is the opposite? What's the counterpart to documentary? What's the correct term for uh, non-doc? Like a fiction film or a narrative film? Narrative film. film? Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. This guy's never directed a narrative film before. He doesn't really know how to do it. Uh, that's kind of how I felt about it. Well, apparently I was reading IMDb trivia before this. <laughs> and actually, I have a brand new segment I want to uh talk about in a okay minute. great i'm excited you have not warned me at all yeah i had a surprise surprise you know i'll just do it now do uh, it. so i was looking at but i was looking at imdb and apparently um this was taken out of his hand taken out of its hands after they had finished shooting and they yeah. shot a lot of stuff yeah i mean this is uh it seems to be a real classic case of money folks on the production side uh getting a little too involved in creative uh, but the funny thing is, it doesn't just start with them taking the movie away from Don to Joe Berlinger. It's also they wanted originally uh, Myrick and Sanchez to come back and direct a sequel, mm-hmm. which they were willing to do. But they were like, we are not going to have this movie ready by Halloween of the next year. Mm-hmm. And Artisan Pictures was like, well, that's when it needs to come out. So we'll make it without you. And, wow. Yeah. In like a fifteen million dollar budget, I looked, I saw. Yeah, absolutely. It's like yeah. so much higher than the original, and it looks. Bad. <laughs> it looks. It looks terrible. Um, yeah. What one of the things we shared in a text message, uh, that to be clear, like this, this seems like an insult to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yeah, it which, does. Which is a great show, but it like looked like an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh, 100%. Um, which is not to say that Buffy looks bad. It's just like Buffy looked like a cable sh- hour-long show that was mm-hmm. on the WB and then UPN. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like the budget for the episode of the show was like and maybe a quarter of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Probably less than that. I'm just, I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass. Yeah, it, this, it's funny because it reminded me of Return of the Living Dead, where they, you know, more than doubled the budget for the next movie, but it looks cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, I cut you off too. You didn't say what did you think of the movie? Um, I think that I've been, I don't know, tenderized a little bit by the last couple movies we watched before we started Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. So, I think this is a bad movie. But I will say that it, like, I think it's better than all of the bad movies we watched in the last series. Yeah, you know what? I think I have to agree with you. Um, so I made this analogy to my wife this morning because mm. we watched it together. Um, because, let me take a step back. Yeah. Uh, I found an article on birth, death movies okay. um, that I want to read a part of mm. because I do think there's something here. But I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go as far as them. Uh, so they said they called they called it a reactionary act of franchise rebellion and misunderstood. And they said Berlinger's film is a metatextual reactionary piece, a reaction to the reaction. Mm-hmm. There's a duality in the response to our immensely successful properties. As fans, we desperately want the story to continue in a sequel because we love the world so so much. And at the same time, our highbrow selves would prefer that the filmmaker left well enough alone because these films are great as a singular entity. 
That a film can inspire such rabid devotion and a desire to know more is proof of its triumph, but, oft, but often our inclination to extend the life of a property is selfish and unreasonable. It's exceedingly, exceedingly rare for, sequ for sequels to improve upon their original. More often than not, additional entries offer diminishing returns. <clears throat> then it says, Book of Shadows reacts to that demand by satirizing the Blair Witch Project fan base. The film itself is almost Godardian in the way it taunts its audience. Uh, Book of Shadows. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know I would go that far. Yeah, yeah. Pump but, the brakes, um, BDM. <laughs> Book of Shadows uh, presents an Ouroboros of fact-chasing fiction-chasing fact, accessorized by Blair Witch fandom cliches, hilarious in both their simplicity and realism. It's a silly film, but one that was misunderstood in its initial release. It isn't a direct sequel, but a direct rebellious reaction to the fanaticism. So there's interesting stuff uh -huh. in there. Yeah, I think, okay, so I'm pretty familiar with this particular brand of film criticism, uh -huh. which I think there is a tendency, and, I, and it's funny, I think you find this more amongst academics than like just like, you know, newspaper and blog film critics, but to assign... Uh, too much meaning to things yes. that that don't really earn that much meaning. Now, I will say this, that what I read about um, what the director had to say about the conception and pre-production like, does feed into some of these ideas. He definitely had bigger ideas. Um, but when I say bigger, I think what, what, what I mean is that bigger than what ended up on screen. Right. Uh, and so... It's funny because I almost feel like that that piece that you were reading from, it feels like a reaction to the movie that he wanted to make and not mm -hmm. the movie that they actually ended up making. Yeah, I would agree with that because I think there are aspects of what they said that are true, but the result isn't something that's good at all. You know yeah. what I mean? I, so I was saying to my wife, it's like, it's like I served you a pizza that blew your mind. And then to follow it up, you already had the pizza. So I'm going to give you a, a banana split with pickles on top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, you, you're, why don't you just give me a slightly different pizza? You know, <laughs> like put some arugula on top or something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but right. iterate on it rather than completely try to reinvent it in a way that doesn't even work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a weird metaphor. Uh, I'm not sure that I totally understand, but I respect it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, uh, what I would say is that I think most of us can agree that unlike other areas, even of art, with with movies, it's 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 not like it's the thought that counts, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the thing... Yeah. One of the things that's so impressive and also so difficult about making films is it's almost entirely about the execution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a script is very important, right? But there is a reason, like, I feel like if you're somebody who doesn't understand anything about the filmmaking process, it's easy to get into this mindset of like, why isn't the screenwriter the most lauded, most important person in the making of a film. Like they came up with it, right? It's their idea. Mm -hmm. um, right. 
And the thing is, it's because making movies is about executing. It's about bringing something to life. It's not. And so having a great idea is undeniably a crucial part of the process. And I'm sure I'm going to piss off a bunch of screenwriters by saying this, (laughs) but it's like a screenplay isn't a movie. You have to make a movie out of a screenplay and it's the director's job to get a movie made. And you can't really make a good movie out of a bad script, but you can make a bad movie out of a good script. I actually, I totally disagree with that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I think that, because I mean, look at, Blair Witch Project, the original. It's there isn't even a script. It's a thirty-five page treatment. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, that's it's an improv movie in a way. You know, like sure. there's there's an outline. It's like saying Curb Your Enthusiasm isn't written. It's not written. Mm. Yeah, that's a bad example. I mean, I don't think either is true. I think I think there are all possibilities are in play. I think you can make a a much better movie than a script deserves. I mm-hmm. think you can botch a really good script, and I think you can also make a really great movie from a really great script. You know, and you know, I think uh, to actually back up what you're saying, a movie like Drive, on mm. its surface, the script is nothing really to write home about. Yeah, but the execution of it is so effective that it makes it a great, in my opinion, a great movie. Yeah, the style has so much to do with it, and, uh-huh. and visual. You know. It's yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's not to say that I don't think a script matters to be clear. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just think that you can make a good movie in spite of a weak script Mm -hmm. because the other thing too, is there are no rules about how, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, faithful you need to be to a script, right? Like lots of movies, get rewritten during production or yeah, things yeah. just get thrown out. And in this case, just to get back to what we're talking about, I think, yeah, there were a lot of big ideas in play here. And I think that Berlinger's ideas about like consumption of media and like the audience reaction and like, you know, he does touch a little bit on like, what's the effect on the people in Burkittsville, Maryland, which is a real town, which did have to deal with all these psychos. Mm-hmm. Um, like those are cool ideas, but I think he didn't do them justice. I think, and and that may be in large part because of interference from the production company. But like this movie is not good; it is not well done. No, you know. not at all. Um, do, do you want to hear my new segment? Yeah, fucking lay it on me, dude. All right, it's called Pointless IMDb Trivia, <laughs> and I think we can keep this up. I think this is something that we can uh, repeat in yeah, different episodes. I, I already know exactly where this is going, and I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> so I was looking at the IMDb <laughs> Trivia page, and there were a few entries that I think they could have just saved some time and not have put in there. Uh, one of them is, an owl appears in several scenes. In some cultures, an owl is a sign of death. Cool. (laughs) The playing of tapes backwards is a reference to The Exorcist. (laughs) A bit of a stretch, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not as much as this one, though. The barking dogs are a reference to The Omen. Is that so? There's one scene, there's dogs barking at the end of of a bridge. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah. And then finally... A bird's eye view of the forest is seen during the end credits. <laughs> Could have uh, that one was technically under crazy credits, but <laughs> <laughs> that's 
Yeah. That's nuts. Um, yeah. Can I share a dark secret with you? Sure. Um, what, I had a job in Hollywood once um, where I worked for Sony, and I wrote trivia for Blu-ray discs. Right when, right when Blu-ray was replacing DVD, mm-hmm. um, one of the things, one of the features that they were like advertising as like a really cool thing about Blu-ray is that you could run different tracks on top of the movie. Mm-hmm. So so one of the things old Blu-ray discs would let you do, I think they just stopped doing because no one cared, is you could do like a pop-up video-esque like trivia track would run along with the movie. Right. And for six months or so, I was one of a few people who was writing those trivia tracks. <laughs> um, I did the weirdest assortment of movies. I'm trying to remember... I did the shitty Terminator movie with Christian Bale. Um, oh, so that's yeah. Salvation? Salvation. Yeah. I did uh, the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I did the best. I think the best movie I did was Mask of Zorro, which <laughs> is actually pretty good. Uh, I never saw it. Oh, yeah. Especially when you. It's Anthony Hopkins, Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta Jones. It's like a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um,. And it's way better than most of the shit I did. I did the remake of The Taking of Pelham 123 with John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I a lot of my job was reading this this inane IMDb trivia and, like, sifting through it for trivia facts that were actually interesting. And then, as many copywriting jobs uh, are, I had then rewriting. Rewriting them, yeah. Rewriting them in my own voice so it wasn't technically plagiarism. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of rewriting Wikipedia pages <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah, we we don't do any of that on this podcast. I just re- read them directly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, before we jump into the movie, let me just bang through a couple behind-the-scenes things here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as we talked about, director Joe Berlinger, this was his first narrative film, and... The experience went so well that he did not come back to narrative film until, I believe, last year Uh, was his his second movie Um, was the Netflix movie about Ted Bundy with Zac Efron, um, which Mm -hmm. has a which has a weird name, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, It's not extremely loud and incredibly close, but it sounds like it. (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, is that the 9-11 yeah. oh yeah yeah oh it's called <laughs> extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile um oh. <laughs> right and uh i read a review of it and it said that uh it was bad um and that zach mm. efron was pretty good but the movie was poorly done um there is one uh returning cast member from blair witch 2 Oh, who? Jeffrey Donovan. Oh, yeah. old Jeff. Jeff. Plays the character of Jeff. Yeah, so Jeff, Jeff played by Jeffrey Donovan, who immediately I saw and went, hey, it's the guy from Burn Notice. Um, oh, is that who he's, where he's from? Yeah. Which? Okay, my wife and I couldn't play some, and I didn't do a very good job looking at his IMDb page, apparently. Yeah. yeah holy shit, yeah, it is. Yeah, Burn Notice, a show that I have vaguely pleasant memories of, um, mostly because it co-starred Bruce Campbell, who's one of my favorite actors. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like a perfectly fine USA show. Um, if my memory serves me, characters were welcome. Yeah, I was say, uh, characters are welcome. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, he's really the only person in this cast who has had much of a career since this movie. They were all relative newcomers. Honestly, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about these cast members because none of them have done a lot besides Jeffrey Donovan. Um, Kim Director, who we mentioned, pops up in a couple Spike Lee movies, had a decent run of television appearances. Uh, Same for... Erica Learson, I I believe her name is, uh, Mm -hmm. who plays Erica. It's easy to keep track because they, like the first movie, all these uh, actors use their real first names. Right. Um, She showed up in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Um, She did a a Wrong Turn sequel. So she kind of, I think at a certain point, moved into like more horror stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the other two main cast members, like, a whole lot of nothing. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, He's, I could have sworn I recognized him. He, but... You know what? Uh, yeah, so uh, I believe I believe you're talking about um, Stephen Barker Turner. That's uh, him. Yeah, who, uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, uh, not so much. He's got... He doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, that tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Wow. Uh, yeah, I half of his television credits are made up of Law & Order appearances, which the only thing that tells you is that this person is an actor. <laughs> and he lives in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. An East Coast actor. Um, yeah, so a, not a lot of future success from the cast, certainly not from the director, uh, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, so like I said, this movie gets rushed into production by Artisan. Um, they move on without any of the principal creatives from the first movie. Joe Berlinger has a lot of interesting ideas that don't really make it into the movie. Uh, pretty big budget, but Christ, does this movie ever look like a TV show? It always looks like a TV show. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, like, does it ever, like... Oh, you know. yes. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. We, does we, this movie ever look like a TV show? At times. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we practice a lot of active listening on this podcast. <laughs> um, they tried to pull a lot of similar stuff with the marketing. Uh, they did another Sci-Fi Channel documentary in the lead-up to the release. Came out a week before... Uh, they, they did something called the shadow of the Blair, Witch, um, which stars Jeff, Jeff Donovan. And, uh, yeah. Eh, yeah. This I wonder m- if that's on YouTube. I, I would like to watch that actually. Really? Ah, you know, why not? Yeah. Got nothing but time. Hey, more power to you, man. Um, yeah. So anyways, I mean, the movie ended up making okay money. Didn't do anything close to the first one. Um, not surprisingly reviews were very negative. Um, yeah, not a lot of people with anything positive to say until kind of years later with these, these sort of second look type reviews, like the one that you were reading from birth, death movies. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off. I was thinking about like the kinds of movies that get reassessed and sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. I think a movie that, has been recently reassessed in a favorable way 
is Halloween three. Now that's how oh, you yeah. do. Uh, that's how you do a, a sequel that doesn't really have anything to do with the original. Yeah, the deviation from the franchise. That at this point, that one's kind of like it's become almost like a shorthand for that. I think at least amongst yeah. like horror folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that movie, fucking. I mean, honestly, it's a lot of fun. And it's so much fun. I'm very much looking forward to uh, at some point in the future covering the franchise and specifically talking about that movie. Me too. Because I would watch Tom Atkins read a goddamn phone book. <laughs> Thrill me. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else you want to touch on about pre-production before we jump into this? No, I don't think so. All right, cool. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into our review of Book of Shadows, colon, Blair Witch 2. We get a title card. The following is a fictionalized reenactment of events that occurred after the release of Blair Witch Project. It is based on public records, local Maryland TV broadcasts, and hundreds of hours of taped interviews. To protect the privacy of certain individuals, some names have been changed. So, it's purporting to be a dramatic reenactment of real life events yeah um i don't think that's true no i don't think that's true either okay um so it's the summer of 1999 we get some quick flashes of news stories we got my man kurt loader oh yeah just just turned 75 which is mind-blowing holy shit yeah he turned 75 um i heard dave holmes I think it was Dave Holmes on a podcast talking about how there was like a, a company wide um, email, like for like CBS or whatever, uh-huh. that somehow everybody it wasn't it wasn't CC'd and everybody got replied all to every response. Uh-huh. And the one person they started like joking around with it, and the one person who made them stop was like was Kurt Loader, <laughs> and he's just like, "All right, guys, enough." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Very America's dad. Yeah. Um, oh, can I share the briefest of stupid anecdotes about yeah. this, which completely derailed the beginning of this plot recap? No, but, who cares? So I, I worked for a few years at BuzzFeed, um, and this was a thing that would happen sometimes where uh, especially new employees would get the email aliases fucked up. And, mm-hmm. like, instead of emailing some HR person about, like, where to get their parking pass they would email like la at buzzfeed.com or employees at buzzfeed.com and it was a full contact sport of just mercilessly roasting anyone who would make the mistake (laughs) and and the beautiful thing about it was that it was clearly encouraged by as high up as the higher-ups went like literally like you would like some innocent 19 year old girl would be like, where do I pick up my parking pass? And then it's like all these people are like, well, you're going to have to forward that to this person in this department. It's like, hold on, I'm going to call uh, so-and-so in security and we're going to get them on the parking pass. And then fucking Jonah Peretti would chime in and be like, hold on, I'm going to talk to my executive assistant and we're going to get you hooked up with a parking pass as soon as possible. I'm really sorry that this happened to you. And, <laughs> and it was always very amusing and something that I really enjoyed about the company culture there You know, until they started laying everybody off. So. <laughs> a, yeah Oof. um that's amazing i love that i i for a while was getting another eric goslin's uh mcdonald's mm-hmm. schedules mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i found and this eric were... goslin on instagram that's and, right yeah, and yeah, friended yeah. Him. yeah 
Um, and then another time. Oh man, one day remind me someday. A very special episode. I'll read. I, I, there was like a a lab, a college lab, uh-huh. science lab, uh, chemistry lab. It was that they sent. Uh, one of the professors sent me a uh, <laughs> a sternly worded letter about how I left. How me and the other students had left the state of the lab, like all the like the hood the hood vents weren't clean uh-huh. and stuff, and so I just like mercilessly roast that didn't it wasn't mean yeah but I wrote a really lengthy response email to them and became a hero to all the kids <laughs> all the people in that class I don't know, they probably weren't kids they're older than me nice nice <laughs> anyway so we got Kurt Loder Jay Leno Conan O'Brien Siskel and Ebert uh, all talking about the last movie mixed in with some fake interviews. Bottom line is people are flocking to Burkittsville. Blair Witch 1 was such success, it's attracting everybody to the real-life town mm-hmm. of Burkittsville, Maryland. Uh, we meet Jeff, our main character, our hero of sorts. Um, he's wearing a Blair Witch shirt. He's in front of his witch store. Um, and then we get another couple talking about uh, this real I, – I, I seem to remember this website, like the Blair Witch Aftermath website. Uh-huh. I think that was real and had like it came out around the time of the release of the first movie and it had like, um, you know, it was made to look like a real true crime sort of website breaking down the mystery of what happened yeah. to these three people. I might be misremembering that, but I, it seemed right. to no, me. No, I think you're right, because I, I think that everybody who gets interviewed here, with the exception of Jeff, is a real interview with some. Oh, like, no way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So these are actually real people talking about. This is like the only part of this introduction that isn't a lie. Is like these are real people talking about the impact of the movie on Burkittsville, Maryland. That's cool. Uh, we meet Ronald Cravens, the young, uh, the young, <laughs> the sheriff, uh, and he's yelling at people to get out of the woods. He's with a bullhorn. Oh yeah. Um, this guy's a horror- ham and a half. Why do you think in so many horror movies they just give the last name of a famous horror director? Doesn't seem to be any other genres that do that. Yeah, and you know it's funny because it's it's so lazy, but that's yes. but that's my mindset now as like an adult man. But I can remember being young and watch and being like a kid and a teenager who knew too much shit about horror movies, and like feeling cool that I noticed that stuff. Oh, that guy's last name is Argento. He's a he's yeah. a director. Yeah, like I remember, I saw Scream in the theater, and there's I think something in the town or whatever, some store is named after something or other, or the other, and and mm-hmm. like I being like, oh, oh, look, 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 and like just like feeling like it was a cool in joke thing that I recognize. Yeah. So maybe it's fun, and we're just too jaded to appreciate. Yeah, it. I mean, horror movie fans are nothing if not. Uh, passionate mm. so any sort of like call out like that gets us a frothing <laughs> um, so then it flashes back it flashes forward actually a year later uh, we get glimpses of Jeff in some mental institution mm-hmm. the Burkitt County Psychiatric Ward he's being intubated he's getting some sort of tube up his nose this is they pour this yeah keep going sorry oh this, they pour this like yellow viscous fluid yeah. down his nasal cavity disgusting yeah so i will say that it's funny that i almost had kind of an opposite reaction here like this ended up being the opposite of what happened with me for return of living dead 2 whereas like very early on in that movie i was like seeing the production value and like kind of 
what like the tone of it and i was like this is gonna be fucking awful and and then it was. yeah you immediately texted me and was like this yeah. movie's gonna fucking suck yeah. but the funny thing is is that this scene is not indicative of the rest of the movie no um, and it's you know, like i think it looks as bad as this movie looks it looks much worse than most of the rest of the movie um yeah go ahead i wonder if this is part of the reshoots it was um yeah it was. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, great. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better about Joe Berlinger because you're right. It looks so dumb. Mm-hmm. There's these wide-angle lenses that just look so uh, – this is something I'm going to hit upon a mm-hmm. lot. Everything looks so fucking 90s in this oh, movie. Yeah, this scene looks like a fucking Blink-182 video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jeff's foaming at the mouth. A lot of, a lot of just, like edgelord sort of like <laughs> – like oh, I, the voice is in my head or, yeah. you know, like – it, um, he's uh, getting sprayed with a hose, ultra '90s styles. There's like a, a, a flash cutting of him like slamming against his padded cells, mm-hmm. the walls of his cells. Um, and then he's in the communal room and he yells, "Enough!" Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, then it's 1999 again. Uh, we get credits over a helicopter shot of the woods, intercut with really. Um, fast horror imagery of people getting stabbed and tied up yeah dragged so just to throw this out here right now all of this footage of the murders is was part of the reshoots demanded mm-hmm. by the production company they were done in the month before the movie was released holy shit yeah and they were shot in the director's backyard um, wow. and they're just scattered. Like they forced them to scatter these shots throughout the movie because they're like, there's not enough violent violence in this movie. Yeah. Um, so they were like, made them just shoot a bunch of shitty violence and then and like he... intersperse it throughout the movie without any real narrative reasoning. That is so fucking lazy. And it sticks out so much mm-hmm. whenever they happen. You're just like, okay, all right, I guess that happened. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it does not work. Uh, so then it's Monday, November 15th, 1999. This is a, a theme will be – not a theme, but a motif will be coming back to a lot. It's uh, characters in an interrogation room. Jeff's in the interrogation room here. And uh, Craven comes in and tells them that they found blood in his van. Um, the timeline in this movie is extremely confusing. Yeah. I mean, like, you can follow it. It's it's not – I wasn't like, what the fuck's right. happening? But it's just – well, needlessly and, complicated and this is funny this is another thing you can blame on artisan because these sequences of the interviews while they weren't part of the reshoots they were originally done chronologically and just took place at the end of the movie good god yeah wow i would love to see the original cut of this movie yeah i do think I, it would still look cheap as fuck because mm-hmm. i want to know if there's is there a good way for us to figure out if this was shot on film or video cuz i feel like i has i think it has to be film it looks so shitty though like, it does but i guess it's just video lit at the really time poorly. yeah yeah I, I don't think video at the time yeah, this could is, have this is pre digital video as like a regular go to okay yeah. uh i'm just quickly looking looking down at the imdb page to see mm-hmm. if it says um Sorry, I'm also bel- belching into the mic. <laughs> this is save it for the Patreon. Yeah, it looks like it was shot on film. Okay. Yeah, yeah thir- then, 35 millimeters. So, I mean, what I found, because I'm not a lighting guy, um, 
or a DP for that matter. I've shot a couple things, but like I know that I'm not, I'm no expert cinematographer. But one mm. of the things that I find when I see something like this that looks this shitty, and I find out, oh, well, it was shot on film, is it's like a lot of it comes down to lighting. Um, yes. And you know, like a like a funny example of a movie like this to me, that's like a good movie, but honestly, just kind of looks like shit. Is um, the Forty Year Old Virgin? Um, uh huh. Yeah, I don't know the last time you watched that movie, but it, you know, for those of you at home, like, go take a look at that movie and just think about where, like, look for shadows. You know. Okay. Like. In Are there no shadows? No, everything is, and and this is. I honestly think this is like a TV thing, because mm-hmm. um, Judd Apatow came from television, and mm-hmm. Forty Year Old Virgin was his first like feature directing. It was, I think, it was feature directing debut. Yep. And I think there's just this tendency, and I think that's part of why this movie looks like, say, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. To be fair, I think Buffy is lit better than this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Buffy has an excuse. It's yeah. It's a it's a weekly show, and that's shot on video. Buffy's not on film. We're now <laughs> 12 minutes into the recap, and we're in the first two minutes of the movie. All right, let's speed through it. No, 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 no. I, I, this this yeah. has been fun. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, why why get too deep into it? Yeah. Um, so then we cut to the Blair, the camo Blair Witch tour van three days earlier. Jesus, his timeline. We meet Stephen Ray Parker from Boston and his girlfriend, Tristan. Uh, they're writing a book about the Blair Witch hysteria. We get Erica the Hot Wiccan. I didn't have to say she was hot. We get Erica the Wiccan. (laughs) Yeah, we got Kim the Hot Guy. (laughs) I gotta. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Jesus. Uh, Uh, Don't pretend to be someone you're not. (laughs) They get to the cemetery from the first movie to meet with Kim the Hot Goth. (laughs) I mean, Kim the Goth. Yeah. For two nights, they get the chance to see and sleep where the victims died. It's ino- it's their inaugural tour, which was something Jeff lied about to them. Yeah. Uh, they go to the store for supply for supply. They go to the store for supplies. It's filled with bearded hicks. Like way too many people in this fucking like middle of nowhere store. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> they load up on supplies. This is pretty much only to establish the store when Kim goes back there later on a beer mm-hmm. run. Yeah. And just show that the town is sick of their shit. Yeah, Jeff has a line about the breeding pool being so shallow. <laughs> yeah. Hit your, and I'm like pretty sure that this line is in another script. Like, I don't know what movie it's from, but I'm like, I've heard this before. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to stay at Rustin Parr's house. He's the guy from the first movie uh, who supposedly heard the voices and killed those kids. Uh, and Kim in her goth edgelord fashion says, I hear voices all the time. Yeah. Quick cut to somebody being beat. And they get the gear and they head into the woods. They have camping gear. They have camera gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is weird. Kim, is it Kim or is it Erica who immediately recognizes? Oh, it's Kim because she's sort of psychic. Yeah, I guess. Kim claims to be psychic. Should have been, I don't know. I don't know much about Wiccans, but it would have made more sense if the Wiccan was the one with like the extra sensory power. Well, you gotta you gotta spread out the lazy character traits. Yeah, they feel like it should have been the same character. Yeah. You know what I mean? The two like the, we don't need a goth and a Wiccan. I agree. Yeah. Um. Uh, so Kim recognizes that Tristan's pregnant. 
Um, but I thought it's made it seem like Steve didn't know, but she, he does know eventually. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know what she wants to do with the baby. Uh, at the foundation of the Par Ruins, this is where they found Heather's original footage from the first movie. Uh, it's full of children's handprints and runes. Uh, somebody says, wow, that's scary. And Erica gets all offended because she's wicked and she butt actually is them. <laughs> like, well, actually, they're really positive. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Cool. So then somebody says, oh, what's the story with that tree to Jeff? What tree? Where the fuck did that tree come from? It was never here before. Uh, they don't really believe him, but then he points out, like, why would they build the house around a tree? Right. And okay. I, I will say that, like, yeah, he his he's, like, very shocked to see this tree. And he says, well, there's, there wasn't a tree here before. It wouldn't make yep. any sense because the tree's in the middle of the house's foundation. Which I was immediately like, yeah, that's a very persuasive argument. And they kind mm-hmm. of, like, shrug it off. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so er- they cut – they don't cut to. They find Erica casting a cleansing spell to balance out the karma of the place. And Erica says that Ellie, the witch, was a good witch. And she's an earth child, just like me. And she's going to be my mentor. She's going to shed this mortal – coil i'm going to shed this mortal coil and we're going to commune so that's her uh inspiration for taking this tour um i do like that she's defending yeah ellie the witch sure yeah i feel like her character is ostensibly here to kind of like defend wicca as like right as like we're not just evil witches but like the movie is bad enough that she still ends up making wicca look bad Yes, for sure. And I know this was something that was important to Berlinger because Damien Eccles, um, the probably the center, the person we focused the most on in the Paradise Lost movies, mm-hmm. is a Wiccan. Um, so this was something like I think Berlinger wanted to do right by the Wiccan people. Right. Uh, and he says, like, we, she has her say, like, we still eat shit and die just like the rest of you. We just look good doing it. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, so Jeff is setting up all his gear, his camera gear, because he wants to get a witch sighting. And then they set up camp, and they start partying and drinking. Um, Erica points out, it's like, hey, you know what I didn't like about about the the Blair Witch Project is like you got one girl and two guys. Why didn't they just fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is like kind of funny. And then you figure, like, oh, well, they're going to fuck, right? And then they, like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. As far as we know, spoiler, I guess they do technically, but it's like, we don't get to enjoy it. No. <laughs> and I wanted to enjoy it the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Um, I want, like, yeah, I want to talk about my favorite one hasn't happened yet, but the soundtrack of this movie. Holy fuck is very confusing and very 1999, 2000. It's, it's like, it's all over the goddamn place, but yet so in a moment in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like some of the songs are terrible and then other songs are good and it's all very weird. Like we bounce around from like Marilyn Manson at the beginning to we get some system of a down and it's like okay yeah it's like sort of industrial metal um yeah but then Then we get a 
a cue coming up from Queens of the Stone yeah, Age. Yeah, which is just like a great song. Like, Feel Good yeah. Hit of the Summer is a really good song from a band that I like a lot. And mm-hmm. I guess you could make the argument that that particular song sort of fits this mood. But it's like the band themselves, I think, are a little bit out of place. And there's like an Elastica song in here. And it's just like, it's very weird. Um, yeah. Well, I did read in the trivia that originally um, that Marilyn Manson song you talked about, that was added by Artisan. Yeah. Um, that he, Berlinger wanted to have, um, I had it here, it's, it's just some other song that they just thought wasn't scary enough. Mm-hmm. There is a song, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, this Marilyn Manson song that opens the movie, do you know what the song is? Oh, Disposable Teens? Oh, yeah, okay. It is Disposable Teens, yes. There's another Marilyn Manson song on the soundtrack. I don't know where it comes up, but it is a cover of Suicide is Painless, the the theme song to match. Holy shit. Which has lyrics. Did you know that? I didn't. Apparently, they get sung by Marilyn Manson here, so I have to go back and listen to this fucking song now. Oh, you know what? Berlinger wanted uh, Frank Sinatra's Witchcraft. Yes, yes, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay, but anyways, we're about to get this Queen of the the Stone Age, but we're not there yet. Not Um, there yet. Um, So, Erica, again, is defending the Wiccans. People think that I drink blood and I'm evil because I'm Wiccan. And then Kim says... People judge me for wearing black. It's just total white people concerns. <laughs> <laughs> this is that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, and then what really struck me was Tristan, who's tr- pregnant, is drinking very heavily. Well, but yeah, I guess she doesn't know what she wants to do with the baby. Yeah, so. I think it's made kind of. It's it's strongly implied that Tristan is not pumped about having a baby. No, no, she's not. Yeah, uh, I wrote God. This is so nineties. <laughs> Jeff is filming Kim, and he's narrating. It's like, goth, a way of life, a documentary. And she licks the camera. It's just so... Yeah, the whole... Like, a lot of this, at this point in the movie, until they, like, get out of the woods, it has... It almost feels like, um, for anyone who's familiar with the uh, Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee sex tape... (laughs) (laughs) I remember he honks the horn, <laughs> it, but it like it ha- it's like it's this it's a similar era and it's a lot of just like <laughs> I don't know it felt the same to me. Oh, we should have done a staff staff picks for uh, and said if you like this movie, yeah, or if you don't like this movie, get the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Methods of Mayhem would have been right at home on this soundtrack. <laughs> uh, so then they hear screaming in the woods. And, oh, shit, it's another tour group. Um, thankfully, we don't meet all of these characters. But um, <laughs> There was a risk for a second. There, Yeah, there was a risk. I was like, oh, fuck, am I going to have to write down five new character names and keep track of them? <laughs> um, so then, uh, so they're double booked basically it's another rival tour tour group and to get them off they say like well hey we're a little shaken up right now uh could you just give us in the morning we saw something on coffin rock and this asian couple who very uh, not pc wouldn't yeah. fly today no uh they get all a flutter it didn't about really it. fly then <laughs> eh, probably not no 
so that they get rid of that tour group. Um, then we get a party montage. Yeah. They're <laughs> this, this, we get the Queens of the Stone Age. They're drinking, dancing, headbanging. Uh, we get the feel good hit of the summer. And eventually, I guess, like information that gets doled out towards the end of the movie, like makes this progression make a little more sense. Not a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, at this point in the movie, it's very confusing that they're just, yeah. like, it's, like, one minute they're just having their normal tour, and then all of a sudden, it's almost as if they can hear the Queens of the Stone Age song come on with its, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with its refrain of, you know, uh, how does it start? Oh, Vicodin, uh, like, Vicodin Valium Marijuana. Yeah, ecstasy yeah. yeah i forget i forget the order it goes in and but it's like it's like they hear the song and they're like let's get fucking wild yeah but the the most prominent part of the song is cocaine yeah but none of them are doing cocaine that no, bothered me. they're just drinking and i guess jeff has joints i think yeah um so kim's about to pass out on the foundation she gets a vision of people being stabbed and we see an owl fade to black the next morning it's a dream sequence. We get Tristan in a river. She walks into the river with her clothes on, holding a towel. She puts it underwater, and blood starts coming up from the towel, and there's a baby, and the baby's it's really, crying. It's really the baby looks... What's it going to say? No, go ahead. Oh, the baby looks so fake. Yeah, it's really fucked up and weird. The scene is yeah. weird. Uh, then the, she wakes up for real. Everything's a mess. Shredded papers snowing down on them. They wake up. The equipment's all gone. All of Steve's files are shredded. Um, They all blacked out and don't remember what happened since the other tour group. So they don't remember the cocaine and the partying. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Vicodin, the Valium, or or the the marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly not the ecstasy. They start blaming each other. Kim uh, somehow knows that the tapes, they're here. How do you know? In my mind, I see them. So uh, because she's psychic, she brings them. Well, we learn that's not actually why she knows. She brings the, them to the where the tapes are. It's the same location where they found the Blair Witch tapes. They're in a hole under some rocks. And oh shit, Tristan just miscarries right there. <laughs> yeah. Real, real uh, exclamation point at the end of that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we get to see two weird, kind of gruesome, shitty. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 anyways, uh, we flash back to the interrogation room, uh, and then also we fl- they rush. Tri- maybe it's not the interrogation room. Anyway, we flash back. They rush Tristan to the hospital. Uh, it's really Terry Gilliamy, wide, wide angle mm-hmm. and stylized. Looks so dumb. Yeah. I never liked that. I don't even really like Terry Gilliam that much, to be honest. He can be good, but he's often, yeah, not. But I don't know. I I probably I'm probably a bit of a defender at least up until like you know the late '90s. Twelve Monkeys sure. maybe. After, oh yeah, that's I like Twelve Monkeys. After that, it kind of. But but I know what you mean, and yeah, it doesn't look good. Uh, so Craven blames Jeff because he's been a real pain in the ass in the town since he was ten. <laughs> In the hospital, the nurse is talking to Tristan. She tells her, it was your body telling you something was wrong. Not a, I don't, not a very nursey thing to do. <laughs> she p- 
pulls the curtain back, and there's a little dead girl floating and moving all dumb backwards. <laughs> looks so stupid. Yeah. Uh, and then another flashback to people being hurt. That just happens a lot throughout this. I don't even know if it's worth noting anymore. Uh, they go back to Jeff's house. It's an old mill. Yeah, and this is fun. This is a classic. Everyone goes back to Jeff's house to just mm-hmm. regroup. Because you know how it is. You're in a strange town with your boyfriend and you have a miscarriage. And then you get out of the hospital and you say, well, we could go home. Yeah. But better yet, let's go to this fucking stranger's house. Let's go to this weirdo's house that we just got a tour from. Yeah, because we got to keep the cast of the movie together. Yeah. (laughs) So Jeff's place is full of stolen goods that he sells on eBay. Pretty early mention of eBay. I was impressed. Uh, then he introduces them to the official Blair store. They sell they sell stickmen, rock formations, dirt foundation foundation dirt. Uh, and Erica gets really pissed at him for exploiting Wiccan culture. <laughs> it's peak white person. <clears throat> Tristan's tired, of course, because she just miscarried. So her and Stephen <laughs> takes Jeff's bed. I was gonna go sleep in a stranger's bed after I. I'm freshly out of the hospital. Yeah. Um, and Kim says to him, to Jeff, uh, they never should have let you out. You're a long way from sane. So she's psychic and she knows something's up with him. He gets all freaked out. But is this the, the psychiatric ward stuff? Is that in the future? I think the, I think it's before and after. Okay. Or, so or he maybe... was there. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe the beginning is a flashback, not a flash forward. I don't. Are are we sure it's a flash forward? I thought it said one year ago, or uh, I don't remember. Whatever. It doesn't really. Yeah, one year matter. ago. One like, year ago. Okay. Like he had been then, in the mental institution. And then it goes to 1999, right. which I guess is current day for yeah. this movie. Okay. I mean, all that's important to remember is that there is zero point or payoff to the fact that he was in a mental institution. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's just to, like, throw some, some like, a possibility that maybe it's Jeff doing this all. But we know it's the fucking Blair Witch because guess what? It's Blair Witch 2. <laughs> you know? We know the Blair Witch is a thing. Um. <clears throat> So, in the bedroom, Tristan tells Stephen about the girl she saw. Uh, and then she, that she dreamt that she drowned the baby. He wanted the baby. She didn't. She's sorry she lost it. Starts crying. Jeff and Erica and Kim are watching the tapes. That weird little tr- that weird tree that we saw. It's little. Mm-hmm. It's in the footage. It's not a full grown tree. It's a little sapling. And uh, Kim has a weird rash. <laughs> <laughs> And they see a flash frame of the dead bodies arranged, Stephen says. It looks just like Coffin Rock. Yep. So we like the, the people who were killed, the other tour group. And I wrote at this point, this is a $15 million movie and looks like garbage. <laughs> yeah, once they're like, I mean, it, it has looked shitty from the beginning. But once they sort of like set up shop in Jeff's loft space, then it's yeah. just like. It, it like I think we're being unfair to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think what this really looks like is one of those like syndicated shows that you find on TV at like two in the morning, and you're like, I didn't even know this was a show. It's something about right. treasure. <laughs> like there was a Tia Carrera show about like <laughs> treasure hunters. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Right, right, right. 
or like <laughs> sad to say, but like, you know, my, one of my absolute all time favorites, uh, Bruce Campbell had that show, um, Jack of all trades. Oh, I don't a, even remember. Oh, that. it was kind of fun, but it's one of those shows that you're just like, what the fuck like, is this? Like fully syndicated. Like this show never had a network. It just mm-hmm. like, they're making episodes of this and selling it to whoever wants to air it in the middle of the night. <laughs> and like, that's what this fucking movie looks like. This $15 mm-hmm. million dollar movie. Yeah. Yeah. Real dreadful. Uh, so then Steven hears Tristan calling to him, but when he goes back to check on her, she's asleep. And he, hear, he hears a weird crying behind a locked door, and he opens it up and sees the shitty little dead girl <laughs> moving backwards. Um, he and Tristan have a conversation that I tuned out during. I'm glad I wrote that down. <laughs> I think that's only fair. Yeah. He says that they should leave, but she doesn't want to because she has to know what happened. So he offers her sleeping pills. <laughs> the bam interrogation room it's steven in there this time he says it was an accident i swear to christ it was an accident then we're back in current time i guess past time now because the interrogation room is current time I don't know. jeff and erica see a ghostly image and a time code jump forward and then back to normal it's a naked woman swinging around a tree <laughs> jeff i think says ladies and gentlemen that is a naked woman, which is pretty much what I was thinking too. Yeah, it's our first. It's clearly Erica too, right? Yeah, like, there's no question about it. Um, but yeah, we've got some nudity here, I guess mm-hmm. technically. Um, so then we get Stephen and Erica in the kitchen. Erica's looking through the fridge, and Stephen's just like being all bummed out. Um, he snaps at her about something, and she he- starts getting. A- he mm-hmm. sucks, right? Like, he sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's your least favorite character, right? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably have to say he is. Okay. I mean, you don't have to agree with me. but No, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it. And, yeah, there's none worse, I don't think, in the yeah. movie. Uh, she starts getting all sexy-like and rubs his shoulders and goes lower and lower and starts kissing his neck. And she claws at his back and he takes his shirt off. And he has runes on his abs. And all of a sudden, she fucking claws his chest and tears it to shreds. Oh, fake out. They're around the table, and it didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. So something's going on. Something's going on, Mike. Yeah. Um, they're called upstairs. Jeff has a higher-res image of the naked girl. It's Erica. Probably could have told, tell, uh, <laughs> have told that from the current footage. You didn't need to up-res that. Uh, she has no memory of doing it, though. So Erica's freaked out. She starts doing some sort of chant in the middle of a candle pentagram. And she says, we left something back there. I can sense it. She shows Kim that she has runes on her skin. And Erica says, I, I have the same. Uh, or Kim says, I have the same thing. It's nothing. It's poison oak. Mm-hmm. It's a, but they're growing. It's the pagan alphabet. You've been touched by a witch. It's, I don't know. I never. Lo- it's poison oak. Doesn't really fly with me <laughs> when it's clearly letters yeah i will say i don't i have a very complicated and mostly negative relationship with eli roth mm-hmm. but i do think that his film cabin fever has some uh memorable moments mm-hmm. and if i recall there's one or two pretty funny bits in that movie of just like playing off a horrifying flesh-eating virus yeah, yeah, is yeah. like oh it's just poison oak or it's you know like I, kind of playing I, with that trope you know 
I loved that movie when I saw it. I, I did too. Seen it since I saw it, I've seen in it since. Theaters. And, and it's like, I don't know. This is, I feel like this is sort of Eli Roth in a nutshell, which is uh, he like wants to be the guy who's like lampooning broy characters, mm-hmm. but like he the the call is coming from inside the house and like sure he is he is a broy guy and like that's kind of cabin fever seemed a little more self-aware when i first saw it and then rewatching it i was like oh he's sort of douchey well i i will uh remind you if you don't know already that he donated to uh yeti a love story to life on the streets so sorry he's he's all good in my book Sorry. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Did, did the two hundred dollars that you handed me on the, <laughs> the last day of production did that come, come from Eli Roth? Yeah. From Eli Roth. Uh huh. So Kim goes on a beer run. She sees some local punks. They call her Morticia and Elvira. I said, "Hey, Elvira, I got something to suck the." Uh, su- Sorry. Hey, Elvira, I got something you can suck the blood out of. Okay. Uh, everyone's being weird. Or a woman rams her with a cart. Um. It's the same woman from the front. It's from the beginning of the movie, and it's filled with spam. Still, <laughs> <laughs> she's just and, she's just been walking around this rest this market with a cart full yeah. of spam. And this drove me insane. She's only buying a six pack for five people. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> what the fuck? Buy two. <laughs> One's not gonna do anything. Well, Tristan just had a miscarriage, so she's probably going to sit that that round out. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so one person gets two person. Okay, fine. I can't do the math. I'm not a scientist. One beer, and then uh, (laughs) and then two people get a second beer. Um. So she has a run in with the the cashier, uh, who starts recording over the security camera camera. Uh, and she's, it's important to note, she's filing her nails because mm-hmm. that comes up later. She drives off, gets a rock thrown her through her window by the rednecks and sees ghostly children in front of her and crashes into a tree. We've brought this up before. <laughs> just like Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> yes. yes, this is the fourth movie <laughs> that that has happened in. Yeah, it is. We've been doing this podcast. This is the eighth episode, and this is the fourth time that's happened. <laughs> People suck at driving in these movies. Uh, back at the house, she's unloading the beer, and she cuts her finger on a bloody nail file, the same one that the cashier was using. Mm-hmm. Jeff's watching footage. He turns in his chair, and she gets a flash of a man in an electric chair. Some foreshadowing, perhaps. The next morning, Stephen asks Erica if she's still down to drive them to the airport. Um, and they both get flashes from the night before about when they were making dirty love. Mm-hmm. He uh, checks in on Tristan, comes out, and Erica's gone. And the van is completely fucking destroyed. Because uh, previously, uh, uh, Kim had said it was just a fender bender. He just fucked up her fender. But this thing yeah. is, like, totaled. Yeah. Uh, Stephen's like, what the fuck is going on? And Tristan just says they dip their hands in blood and press them on your body. And Jeff has handprints on his body. Uh, they search for Erica. They find her clothes in the middle of the candle pentagram. And uh, yeah, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> it seems pointless. In the interrogation room uh, with Kim, her shoulder is clean. Okay. Good note, Eric. 
<laughs> I mean, if you want to, you don't get, have to write everything. You want to get nitpicky? Almost all of this is pointless. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Back of the mill. Steven says that Eric has vanished. Jeff starts blaming Kim for some reason. Um, and Tristan says maybe she called somebody. So they call her dad, who's a minister. But get this, he doesn't have a daughter. Yeah, also, it's not even disowning her. Yeah, they just know who her dad is. Yeah, they, I don't think that came up before. She maybe mentioned that she was the chill. She was the 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 daughter of uh, you know preachers or whatever. Uh, so like they know her dad's a pastor or something. But mm-hmm. like I, I th- yeah, this makes no sense at all. The movie before it was just confusing and i think at this point it starts to sort of accelerate into completely nonsensical yeah i totally like we just don't need that beat right we just can't she's gone erica's disappeared that's sort of enough right. we don't need to like oh her dad the minister mm-hmm. well he doesn't have a daughter oh he must have disowned her no she really doesn't have a daughter like, yeah it's just needlessly confusing um so Stephen says it's collective hysteria, and that's what he's writing his book about to, uh, anyways. So on Jeff's screen, we get a glimpse of someone smashing the camera. And right then, we get a call from Craven. He's at a crime scene, and he tells him to turn the TV on. It's a news story about that rival team that they sent away to Co- Coffin Rock. Mm-hmm. They've been disemboweled on Coffin Rock, and Craven thinks Jeff did it. We get our first real kills of the movie, I guess. The body count shoots up to five suddenly. Yeah. Off screen. Off screen. Suddenly a fucking owl crashes through the window. (laughs) (laughs) It's dead. Uh, Jeff doesn't want anyone to leave. He doesn't want to take the fall for this alone, which is really shitty rationale. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. He's just, I don't know. I guess I've never been put in that situation. I shouldn't cast stones. Yeah, fair. Uh, um, so Kim insisted that we took something back with us, just like Erica had said. They all blame Erica. <laughs> um, Kim says a line here that I don't understand because Jeff's starting to kind of freak out, blaming Erica. She says, smoke it up because you're not totally psycho yet. Just hit my ear wrong. Uh, so there's some weird flashes in the interrogation room. Craven tells her to wipe the shit off her face it's her makeup you know because she's goth this is the kind of shit that goths have to go through every single day of their lives the kind of more goth rights stuff hashtag goth rights Um. (laughs) he says you think your clothes make uh clothes and makeup give you power (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) come on guys um (laughs) did we get to the surveillance dossier thing yet not yet okay not yet so tristan thinks he sees eric she sees erica outside but when they check of course she's not there and then steven looks again and oh shit she's there she's topless and she's dancing around a tree um he runs outside and she tells him you know who it is and you know what you have to do and the bridge that he's standing on leading to the front door suddenly collapses um tristan comes he asks for help because he's hanging off there by his, you know, he's hanging off the side of this bridge about a, to fall. And she just walks away. Moment. Yeah, it is. Um, so Jeff and Kim come to the rescue. So Tristan's starting to act all strange. She's twirling in circles, talking about the little bastard boys. 
she's having Ellie's dream. So the little bastard boys then are the are the kids who would uh, torture Ellie in town that she got revenge on. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um. So then they would they would let the dogs bite her and poke her with sticks, and when the blood came out, they put their hands in it and press it on her flesh, and then they hung her from a big tree. It's all coming from Ellie's dream that Tristan is reciting. So Jeff is watching footage upstairs and Kim comes up, wants to find the doctor that Kim had, uh, that Tristan had seen previously. So she opens the drawer to get a phone book and then she finds files on herself and everybody else. And what the fuck is this? He didn't know they were there or where they came from, but she thinks Jeff's been spying on them. So everybody's starting to snipe at each other. They're all suspicious of each other. Craven calls. He wants to come he wants Jeff to come to the station. He says he's right out front. And how could that be? The bridge is gone. They check the security camera, and it's there. And Craven's pounding on the door. So Jeff goes to open the door. Bam, the bridge is gone. And the dogs are... Somehow the dogs that Jeff has are on the other side. But he doesn't Clearly, have dogs. He just has the he has recording that, yeah, of Yeah, he has dogs. a recording yeah. of the dogs. That's right. Oh, I should point out, though, that this was inspired by The Omen. <laughs> Uh, he grabs a shotgun, I guess, to shoot the dogs, but they're gone. Everybody comes in. They open a closet door. Erica's standing, facing the corner. They turn her around, and she's dead. So her body count goes up to six, friends. So they're sitting around in shock. Jeff says Steve was the last one to see her alive, so he thinks Steve may have killed her. Steve says... The last time he saw her, she was on the way up to see Jeff. So they start to argue. Kim says maybe it was Tristan. Because why not? She's the other person there. <laughs> uh, but Tristan can barely make it out of bed, they point out. But, oh, she's right there, right behind him. <laughs> right after they say that line. Uh, she's talking about the little girl walking backwards. She starts walking backwards. And then they jump to the conclusion that they need to take the tape and run it backwards. Yeah, and like Steven in The says, Exorcist. Yeah, like in The Exorcist, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Steven says, this makes no sense, and I agree with him. <laughs> so Jeff runs the tape backwards. That does the trick after some business. That does the trick. We see the party that we got glimpses of before. Everyone's drinking and making out in their underwear. This must be where they blacked out. They're performing some kind of ritual and tearing up the files they're bowing to Erica, who has a skull between her legs. It's peak, like, 90s music video. Yeah, and it's, like, this is a thing, this is, like, a conceit from movies that bothers me a little bit. I don't know why, maybe just because I'm a creep, but it's, like, I, I like to think of it as, like, the half-assed orgy. Where, yeah. Where it's, like, they're having a frenzied orgy, but also no one is having sex. Yeah, you they're know? just kind of licking each other. Yeah, it's just a lot of writhing around. Paw and... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pawing at each other. Yeah. So then they, they see them smashing the cameras. Tristan presents them with knives and daggers, and they run naked into the woods. We get some Jeff butt uh, for all you, all you fellas and ladies out there. Uh, then they bury the tapes. And Tristan walks towards the camera. So they turn on Tristan. Tristan, what did you make us do? And she walks off. She starts to walk off, but they grab her. And Jeff pulls a camera on her and asks her to admit what she did. This is all her fault. 
She breaks free, says they're all going to fucking die, walks up a spiral staircase, backs up, gives them a come-hither sort of a beckoning with her mm-hmm. finger. They're up on the catwalk. She slaps Steven and says, Tristan is gone. She wraps a rope around her neck, antagonizes everyone until she says, Steven has no balls and calls him a little bitch. That's enough for Steven. He pushes her. She falls and snaps her neck on the, uh, hangs herself. Mm. Well, he, 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 he pushed her off. Yeah. Yeah. He pushed her off. Yeah. Yeah, He pushes her. Uh, body count goes up to seven. Uh, so then we see the murders of the people on coffin rock. Again, one of those flashbacks newscast police arrested three obsessed movie fans who committed murders based on the movie, the Blair witch project. Violent art has once again inspired real life violence. They're all being interrogated. It looks like they all did it. They're getting booked for the murder of Erica, Tristan, and the five on Coffin Rock. But Steven says, Jeff, videotape the whole thing. Watch and you'll see. Uh, but in the security footage. Oh, okay. Steve says, Jeff, videotape the whole thing. Watch and you'll see. Then it cuts to different interrogation room with Kim. She's watching the security footage of her killing the cashier with the nail file. Body count goes up to eight. Then they see footage of Jeff naked ass putting <laughs> Erica in the closet and facing her in the corner. Yeah. Like the uh, Blair Witch kids. Then, of course, the footage uh, that Jeff shot is them being guilty as fuck. They're calling her a witch. They hang her, push her off. Yeah. And this, I mean, this moment, despite kind of how much this movie lost me. Like, it is a little bit, uh, it's dark. It, like, it did, it was, it kind of had a bit of an impact on me. Just because, okay. I, yeah, I don't know why, but, I mean, just, like, watching it play out again with, you know, because we just watched this scene unfold where Tristan is, like, clearly possessed by a witch, and she's sort of evil and, like, goading, you know, Stephen mm-hmm. into killing her, and then to hear her sort of please... And, and and to see the video footage that they are all crazed and she's pleading for her life is is, is it's a little bit uh, affecting. You know, she, she does a good job. You know, she's not a bad actress. Mm-hmm. She might be the best in the movie. I'm not I'm not fully confident in saying that, but she does a good job uh, with this whole like section. Yeah. And seeing the two different sides of her. So yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. I guess at this point, I was just like pretty checked out of the movie. In general. Oh yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. So was I. It just kind of maybe pulled me back in for a second of kind of caring about one of the characters. Sure. So then credits roll over helicopter footage of the police walking into the woods to uh, go to the crime scene. And there we have it. That is the plot of Book of Shadows: Blair Witch Two. Are you guys confused? You should, you should be. You should be. It was confusing. So, some different things we like to cover here on Kill Streak. There's some criteria we like to hit. One of them is favorite character. I think for myself, my favorite character is something I definitely thought a lot about beforehand. And I'm not just pulling this out of my ass right now. It would have to be, of course, I just talked her up, Tristan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She does a halfway decent job <laughs> yeah. uh, of playing out a miscarriage. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Boy, yeah. is that true? No. I guess so. 
I mean... No, 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 no. I mean, like, is she actually my favorite character in the movie? Oh, that's fine. I don't think we need to dwell on it for too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I like Jeff. I, I, there are two things that I enjoyed about Jeff. One, I like Burn Notice. <laughs> um, also, uh, as someone who is not from the East Coast originally, but, you know, met my podcast host in college in Boston and spent a lot of time in New England, this guy's got a real, uh, real syrupy Massachusetts accent. Um, yeah. That I was like watching the movie knowing him from other things where he doesn't have that accent i'm like oh is he, this is a weird choice to do this yeah. like fucking uh worcester kind of like bro accent looked it up turns out jeffrey donovan is from massachusetts so oh really yeah so there's uh, a halfway decent chance that this is his real accent or he's playing it up a little mm-hmm. bit but yeah he's from amesbury massachusetts yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and he went to uh, Bridgewater State, also in Mass, uh, and then UMass Amherst as well. So he's a real he's a real mass mass hole. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed him. I think that I think that his character is dumb because all these characters are dumb because this yes. script is bad. But yes. like, I think he does a, a decent job of of playing this dumb character. Um, and I also like he is to me the least obnoxious of these people. Uh, I don't know why, um, but I don't know. I think it's just I think it's just residual burn notice affection. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, but, but, but. So these movies, this movie in this case, is about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes they have things in them that don't age well, whether it be bad special effects um or maybe some racially insensitive yeah. material. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need two different entries for this one. I no, think I don't think so either. Yeah, agree. There's one clear <laughs> moment in this film that aged very poorly. Yeah, it's the transposing of the R's and the L's. And apparently, they're from China, which I don't think is a Chinese stereotype. Oh, but yeah, maybe. the are they chi- Chinese or Japanese? Yeah, no, they say they're Chinese. I, oh. I believe in the news story. Okay, yeah. Anyways, the two, uh, you know fucking super offensively asian tourists are uh do not play well nope um cool so what's up next we got uh best death is that yeah uh, best death not a movie that's full of good deaths really no um there's certainly not much gore erica dies off camera kind of the only on-camera death that i can think of oh you know what i like the uh the stabbing of the cashier with the uh, the nail file, yeah, we, which we only get to see through closed circuit TV, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably right. It's I think more accurate to just say that there aren't good deaths in this movie. I think that will be my answer. That like, yeah, I agree with you. I think the note to take away is that this is not a horror movie with interesting death scenes. So. Here on Kill Streak, we like to talk about how scary these movies are, and we rate that on our Carpenter scale. Do you want to give a brief rundown on the Carpenter scale, Mike? Sure. Uh, the Carpenter scale rates the scariness of movies uh, that we watch on a scale that roughly follows um, 1 through 10, but instead of 1 through 10, we equate 
these films to the relative scariness of different John Carpenter films. Uh, so the least scary, like a, a one or I guess a zero, we go back and forth on whether this is zero to ten or one to ten every week, um, <laughs> would be perhaps uh, like uh, John Carpenter's Starman, starring Jeff mm-hmm. Bridges and Karen Allen. And a ten would be something like uh, the iconic slasher film Halloween or maybe The Thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a scale that certainly changes with the times, depending yeah. on how we're feeling. Um, for me, this movie was not scary at all. Uh, there is some gruesome imagery, but nothing that really like made me cringe, other than the soundtrack and the <laughs> camera angles <laughs> and the lighting. Uh, so for me, this is a Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Okay, very fair, very fair. I think um, it's not a star man because it's a horror movie. And it's uh-huh. trying to be scary at some points, I guess. So it rises above the level of a zero, but not by much. Um, so I would say that for me, oh Christ. I mean, I just want to be clear that like comparing when I compare this movie to something on the Carpenter scale, I don't want to besmirch the name of John Carpenter or any of his right. films. So I'm going to say, yeah, go ahead. What were you gonna I'd say? say we're not comparing the films. Yeah, no, we're just saying how scary is this movie? This movie to me is about as scary as escape from New York, which is not a scary movie has a handful of moments that are somewhat suspenseful. But, like, no scare is really to speak of. Uh, but to be clear, vastly, vastly superior film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, if you have a limited amount of time, you want to burn through these Blair Witch movies. Is Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, a successful movie that you should watch? Is it worth watching, Mike? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um. I think yeah. it, I think this movie well first if we're just judging it on the criteria of like the series and sort of the template that's set by the first one I think you hit the nail on the head right at the beginning of the podcast this is not uh, it doesn't uh, pay homage or really like it, it doesn't follow creatively in the footsteps of the first movie at all mm-hmm. um, it fails to accomplish most of the stuff that the first movie does it's very poorly made <laughs> Uh, it looks terrible. Um, I didn't enjoy watching it. Uh, it's, I mean, like I said, it's honestly, it's not as bad as some of the other movies we've watched. I will be, I'll, I will say that. I think that this, oh, for sure. this is a better movie. I mean, we have a sort of short list to pull from because it's early in the, in the life of the podcast, but I feel comfortable saying that this movie is better than return of the living dead part two or necropolis or rave to the grave. Yeah. Um, there, it is a better movie than those yeah, three. But that is faint praise. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say for me, it's definitely a skip, especially considering the next movie in the series completely disregards this movie. But I don't – so I say a skip, but if you're really curious, check it out because it is a weird, weird thing. It's not a retread, certainly. Yeah. No, no. Um, it is it is its own beast. Um, so yeah, if you really yeah, I think yeah, I think that's right. If you're really interested, it's it 
justifies a watch just to see what the hell's going on. We have one final thing we like to do here. It's a rotating segment. This one is called Colon Exam. Mike, how would you describe colon exam? Do you want me to describe it? No, no. I, I think I can sum up a colon exam pretty uh, thoroughly. Yeah. I've had more Please than my do. share. Um, <laughs> yes. That's a true story. Uh, we'll get into that on another episode. But, um, yeah, so this is a movie that we discussed right at the outset. has a, a fantastically confusing title with a colon and a subtitle and um there's a lot of these across these multi-entry franchises and so eric and i like to challenge each other to a little game where we throw out uh subtitles of movies we've switched up our format a little bit this week and Mm -hmm. uh so what we're going to do today is we're going to go back and forth and so i'm going to give you eric um the uh the name of a film franchise. Yeah. A real film franchise. And then I'm going to give you two subtitles mm-hmm. that would follow a colon. Uh, so, for instance, if it was Halloween, it would be like Halloween colon the curse of the rotten pumpkin mm-hmm. or Halloween colon. Uh, what's the fucking Michael Myers revenge? Is that one of them? I don't know if that's even. I think so. Yeah, let's just say that's real. And then you tell me which one of those is a real subtitle. So we've got a little element of kind of like a balderdash type thing. There's a little fake out. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to do a few of these together. And uh, the winner uh, gets to name uh, the other's next trial. (laughs) That's a deal. Sure. Great. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to start or should I start? I'll start it off. Uh, So, for my first franchise, I pick Critters. So, Mm. Mike, which is the real subtitle? Critters Attack or Critters Kill Them All? Hmm. I'm going to go with Critters colon Kill Them All. Oh, incorrect. Ooh, rough start. The correct answer is critters. Attack! Is there an exclamation point? There is. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I have zero points. Um, okay, here's mine. Over to Eric. Uh, we're going to kick things off with the Puppet Master franchise. Oh. <laughs> All right, which one of these is the correct and true subtitle? Is it Puppet Master colon tiny tyrants <laughs> or puppet master colon the littlest reich oh shit uh i, I want to say tiny tyrants i'm sorry the correct answer is puppet master colon the littlest reich <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Zero to zero. Back to Both Eric. got goose eggs over here. Yeah. Okay. The next series I picked is Evil Bong. <laughs> so, which is the correct subtitle for Evil Bong 3D? Okay. Bong number <laughs> or The Wrath of Bong? <laughs> Those are... Those are both really good. So, whichever one you wrote, kudos. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I mean, 
under normal circumstances, I would be like, well, you laughed harder at the wrath of Bong, so that makes me think that you couldn't have written it. However, I have heard Eric Goslin laugh very, very hard at his own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Bong number. Oh, I'm so sorry. Incorrect. Oh, I, The oh. real answer is Evil Bong 3D, the wrath of Bong. I out I outthought myself. Yeah. All right. But uh, I do think I did a good job with Pong number. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's what I got for you. Um, from dusk till dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have from dusk till dawn, colon, the hangman's daughter. Or from dusk till dawn, the coyote's justice. <laughs> Um, uh, sadly, I do think I know this one, but, uh, the hangman's daughter. Ah, shit. Yeah, you're right. That is the correct answer. Fuck, but Coyote's justice (laughs) is really funny. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, that puts you in the lead. Um, so I have to get this one or I have been defeated. Okay. So the final series I picked for colon exam sorority house massacre okay so what is the what is the correct subtitle for sorority house massacre three pledge week or hard to die i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna risk overthinking this one again but i mean this pledge week feels way too on on the nose it feels correct and and the other one feels stupid so i'm gonna go with hard to die oh correct all right (laughs) yeah hard to die yeah that is a much worse title than pledge week (laughs) (laughs) all right one to one all right can you pull out the win or will this end in a deadlock um the final franchise i have selected that i did not realize was a franchise uh, Lost Boys. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-oh. So you know I them. No, no, I, d- I don't know this because when I was looking at the uh, list of horror film franchises to pick my titles from, I saw that Lost Boys mm-hmm. was one. Okay. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. All right. So here we go. One of these is a real subtitle. The other one is a red herring. Okay. We have Lost Boys, The Thirst. Or Lost Boys, Blood Pact. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. The Thirst or Blood Pact? Both completely seem like they could be Lost Boys movies. The Thirst or Blood Pact? I don't want to overthink this, but I'm going to say Blood Pact is clever so i'm gonna go with the thirst (laughs) that makes sense you're correct yeah you are correct yeah i think the moral of this is that they should hire both of us to write the names of these shitty sequels yes 100 percent. except for whoever they have naming puppet master movies because that guy needs a race (laughs) that guy nailed it (laughs) the littlest reich yeah oh fantastic all right, well, that just about brings us to the end of another episode of Kill Streak. 
Um, next week we will be covering Blair Witch, the 2016 not quite reboot of this series. It's, it's mm -hmm. technically a sequel, right? Right. Um, just uh, don't mean to catch you with your pants down, Eric, but can you tell our audience where they might be able to see 2016's Blair Witch? I do believe it is only available for rental on your normal, uh, you know, iTunes, Amazon. Yeah. Let me uh, double check that while you yeah. give out the info for the podcast. Yeah, if that's the case, then we apologize for bringing you guys a series with all three movies not available on subscription screen streaming services. Yeah, it appears that it's on Amazon Prime, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Hudu, that you do, <laughs> and iTunes. Yeah, but at least it's a short series. Um, and then you can look out for later in the week next week, uh, our mini-sode where we wrap up the Blair Witch series and rank these three films. Um, yeah, we'll see how things shake out. Um, and in the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, you can do that through Apple Podcasts. You can do that through Spotify. Yeah, so you can find us on any of those services, so please subscribe, leave us nice reviews, and uh, if you do and you help us out, we can keep making episodes of this podcast, which hopefully you are in favor of. Uh, and if not, go pound sand. And as always, folks, ladies and gentlemen, that is a naked woman.